Well, good morning, Ivan Rest. Thank you for welcoming me back once again. It's such a joy. I, I, will, I will admit to you that during that last song, Speak, O Lord, I actually didn't sing a whole verse. I just stopped and listened to God's people. I glory hallelujah how well we sing and how we sing God's praises. So thank you for that joy this morning, and thank you for welcoming me. If you take up your Bibles and turn to page, I think it's 512, 512 in the Pew Bibles in front of you, we're going to be reading from Proverbs chapter 3. Brent, as he prayed, he said, uh, guided, asked the Lord to guide us in wisdom. And I'll give us a little background of Proverbs while you're turning there. The book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job make up uh, a section of the Bible called the wisdom books or wisdom literature. All three books in some way emphasize like a little facet of wisdom. And wisdom itself is to be used to cultivate character so that we might live in God's world well. So Job is, is kind of written so we would understand how to live in the world well when, when things are tough. Ecclesiastes is, guides us in living in God's world well when we're kind of trying to ponder our purpose, our reason. And Proverbs probes every little nook and cranny of our lives, uh, exposing how to live according to God's moral law. Proverbs has this unique angle, too, because it really emphasizes seeking wisdom. In the book, wisdom is personified as this beautiful lady that you are to go and seek after, to to seek after her and learn from her. And seeking out Lady Wisdom is a good task, because with wisdom we are able to make good choices we are able to know how to love god and our neighbors and without wisdom we make poor choices so how do we get wisdom well proverbs 9 verse 10 says that we the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and maybe we'll see just a little bit or if you read proverbs on your own that there's this there's this theme of of fearing the lord that's woven through the whole book Now, uh, just to place our passage in context before we read, a good portion of Proverbs, kind of Proverbs 10 through 30 or so, um, give one-sentence guides for for wise living. But chapters 1 through 9, they also have these one-sentence guides, but they're set up differently. Chapters 1 through 9, we get this picture of this father talking to his child, his son. And in our chapter, he's educating his son in order that he might gain wisdom. And our passage is just, if you think of the lessons, our passage is just one of the lessons of the father giving to his son. And I'll say right off, I don't want you to think that maybe because you have, uh, you're, you're older or that you have had some life experiences that you don't have anything to learn from the book of Proverbs. As Christians, we are always to grow more richly and deeply in our knowledge and faith. So these have lessons for us as well. With all that said, let's turn our attention to Proverbs chapter 3 and see what it has to teach us. Let's read Proverbs 3 starting at verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. 
Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me, please, before we go any further? Gracious God, as, um, as we know, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your book, from your mouth. And indeed, Proverbs is a book that, that you teach uh, to us, Father God. So open our hearts by your spirit. Soften our hard hearts that we might indeed gain some wisdom, that we might honor you and serve you, love you and love others in all that we say and all that we do. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we're just going to kind of walk through this passage like, like verse by verse. And if you want to follow along, keeping your Bibles open, we see at verse 1 that it says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. What's going on? What's going on? Like I, like I said, it's, it's, it's the father teaching. Have you ever had someone stop and say to you, Now listen, listen, I got something to tell you. They are going to give you some kind of instruction, right? That's what they're, what they're going to do. And they want it to be heard clearly and fully. They don't, they don't want you twiddling in the sand or playing on your, you know, Tamagotchi. They don't want you texting your friends or, 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 or thinking about what's for lunch. That's what's going on here. The father is saying to the son, listen to me, right? Remember what I have to say. These instructions will be good for you. They will show you how to live well and live long and, 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 and prosper, right? All the Proverbs indeed say this. Listen, Ivan Rest. The Father is telling the Son and God is telling us that something important is coming next. So then he says this, verse 3. Let love and faithfulness never leave you, Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Let love and faithfulness, let love and faithfulness. These two words, love and faithfulness, and especially uh, here, what, throughout kind of the Old Testament, we see them occurring together. We see them often occurring together. And um, they, they often tell us, don't mention Hebrew words, but I like Hebrew. So the word love in Hebrew uh, is the word chesed. Can you say that with me? Chesed. No, it's, you got to come from like real, real, like down here, like chesed. Try it again. One, two, three, chesed. Right. Now you can apologize later for spitting on the person in front of you. But chesed, it's translated here love, but uh, it really kind of has this sense of steadfast, loving kindness. Right? It's how 
often God is described or describes himself. In Exodus 34, verse 6, you know, where God's giving Moses instructions, God says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in chesed, steadfast, loving kindness. Chesed, abounding in chesed and faithfulness. So back in our, in our passage in Proverbs, the father is saying to the son, you, listen, form your character as like God. Find this loving kindness and faithfulness around your neck. Write them on this very core of your, of your being, the tablet of your heart, so that generally, right, you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God. Now, this isn't a promise that it will happen, but it is generally true, right? I mean, think, think about it. Is it generally true that someone who is um, loving and kind tends to have better relationships with their friends? Yes. Is it, is it generally true that faithful people in their relationship, faithful, faithful spouses in their marriage have a, a better relationship, better marriage? It, it, is, it is true, but it, it isn't, you know, we know it's, it isn't always true. There are exceptions. Here the father says, be like God, and it should kind of go well with you in a, in a general sense, generally. I've got to stop here and say that I've said generally, and I should clarify really what I mean. This is important, right? Now, if we take all these verses, like uh, let love and faithfulness never leave you, bind them around your neck, then you will win favor and a good na- name in the sight of God and man, verse 4. If we take these to be promises to always be true, What we are preaching is the health and wealth gospel. Do this, and God will do that for you. Give him this, and he will give you that. But these are not promises, per se. They are speaking of outcomes that maybe could happen, or may happen, or should happen, because the way God ordered the world still permeates our existence, okay? So the book of Proverbs, with its many Proverbs, is a book speaking in generalities. For, for instance, there's a proverb that goes like this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and... Do we know the rest? All right. When he is old, he will not depart from it. So generally, if you teach a child, if you educate him or her according to the scriptures, he or she will not depart from it. But we know that there are exceptions, right? Some kids stray from the faith for a little while. Others seemingly don't make it back to the fold, and we pray for them. But there are exceptions, and that's all they are, exceptions. Generally speaking, if you go through the book of Proverbs and live by these wise sayings, we will live rightly in God's world. There is no guarantee But at least in this world, at least in this world, there are generalities. But that should also clue us in to a promise. And I'm throwing a lot of things at you out here, but there's this promise, right, that though these Proverbs are kind of generally true in this life, they will be absolutely true in in the life to come, right? And they will be absolutely true in the life to come. So just, if you're like me, 
and you're really good at thinking of the, of the exceptions. You kind of look at the glass half empty. Remember that there are only that, exceptions. One out of 50, one out of 25 exceptions. And yet we'll get to the big exception in the end. So verses 3 and 4, let loving kindness and faithfulness never leave you so that, generally speaking, you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Now the next two verses, verses 5 and 6, maybe some of us have even tried to memorize these verses. They're wonderful verses. Trust in the Lord, says verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit. Some, 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 some versions say acknowledge, but submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord. So I was reflecting on this. There are those different kinds of trust that we do know, right? There's the trust that I have that my dogs uh, will stay by my side even if they're not on a leash, right? There's the trust that we might have in a friend who says, I will be there at 545. There's a trust that some of us have in our spouses. And those are, those are all good forms of trust. But this trust that this father is talking about, this trust is a trust that says, trust God entirely and exclusively. Don't trust any, leave no room for, for your own resource. Don't be constantly telling your dog to stay or make backup plans for your friend. I, Maybe I can acknowledge. Maybe I can uh, 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 illustrate this. Okay, so you know the story of Jesus in Matthew 14. There's a lot of stories of Jesus in Matthew, but the story of Jesus in Matthew 14 where Jesus puts his disciples on a boat and he sends them off into the Sea of Galilee and there's winds and there's waves and it's throwing the boat here and there and everywhere and they're scared. And then Jesus comes out to them walking on the water, right? And Peter, well, everybody sees Jesus, and they're like, it's a ghost! It's a ghost! And Jesus says, no, hey, it's, it's, it's only me, right? Then Peter, of course Peter, says, uh, Lord, if it's you, let me walk out to you. And Peter steps out of the boat, and as long as he trusted that it was Jesus, as long as he trusted with his all his heart, he walked on top of the water. But of course, Peter looked around and down, and he began to sink. He leaned on his own understanding. Jesus finally takes him by the hand, and what does, do you remember what he says to him? Oh, you of little faith, why didn't you trust? Why did you doubt? That's the kind of trust that this verse is intoning here. Trust completely. The Lord, full in your sight, trust that way. And it's just that simple form, but yet so profound. If we still are wondering, what does it, what does it really mean? The, 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 the fifth word in, in verse 6, submit. Sometimes acknowledge, submit helps us a little more. Submit every detail of your life to God. Submit like, like Abraham submitted. Abraham submitted completely when God said, leave your home and, and come, come this way. Abraham submitted completely when, when God said, put your tent here, then put your tent here, then go into Egypt, then put your tent here, and, then, and, and so on. 
Abraham submitted completely when God said, go sacrifice your son, your only son. Abraham went and nearly sacrificed his son. Abraham submitted completely when he was choosing a wife for Isaac. He submitted completely to the Lord. I've missed every little detail of your life. Submit to the Lord. And I'll ask you just one question. I know we, we are pretty good at submitting the big things to the Lord. Oh, I know that she's slipping away. God, I know she's slipping away, and these are her last days. So what am I? I give this all to you. I give, I give all these, these moments to you, God. We're good at, we, that comes, that's all right. But, but here's the question. Is there anything too small that is not worth submitting to him? Is there any, anything too small? I've got to drive from here to Meyer. Lord, keep us safe in our journey. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. That's road-building language. Straight paths, level paths. Uh, 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 um, Michigan, as you know, has four seasons, right? A short fall, a long winter, a short spring, and road construction. And... And, and, and these are times when the city works and toils to repair the roads, filling in potholes, right? Laying new asphalt down. And they're leveling the roads out so that the way may be easier. They are smoothing the path out. And that's what will generally happen if you trust and submit to the Lord. Generally, your paths will be straight. So Ivan Rest, submit to the Lord. I implore you, trust in him with all your heart. And don't lean on your own wisdom. Don't lean on what you know. In all your ways, submit to him. Turn every little detail over to God, and he will level your paths. If we go next to verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Think about earthly wisdom. I mean, if I followed earthly wisdom, I would probably be, I, I might be addicted to alcohol or some drugs. If I followed, um, if I followed earthly wisdom, I would, I would work really hard at my job so I could spend really, really hard in my, in my free time. And I'd be on this precipice, this, this edge of, of despair and death. If I followed my own earthly wisdom, it would probably lead me to all kinds of sexual immorality and impurity. And in the world's eyes, right, there's nothing wrong with that. There's triumph even. There's triumph in finding your own self using your own wisdom. It's individualism and postmodernism at its best. But instead, says the Father, fear the Lord and shun evil. Fear the Lord. Have a deep respect for God. Revere the Lord for, for, for his justice and his divine right. Revere the Lord Almighty for his omnipotence and judgment. Fear him. I've heard a pastor once describe fearing the Lord as considering him weighty. I, let me explain that. 
In other words, you don't go around, uh, you don't go around uh, asking every person in the street for advice. Their advice doesn't mean much to you, right? right? Um, it's, it's light. We wouldn't hold that up, uh, up much to that person's wisdom. But when we go and ask a family member or a really close friend for advice, their, 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 counsel, has, their counsel has a little bit more weight. And when we ask God for counsel, it's his word and his authority that should turn our heads and command our attention, isn't it? Beloved, it is his all-encompassing wisdom that should guide our very lives. It's, it's God's definition of good and evil that should define my definition of good and evil. And if we look at the world through God's wisdom and fear him, then generally we will live healthy lives. We know Christians, we can picture them. Their lives are a healthy mix of work and play, of homework, of housework, of worship, and prayer. In some sense, they fear the Lord. And yes, there are some exceptions, but these outcomes are generally true in this life, but will be absolutely true in the next. Of verse 9 with me. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Now, I can honor the Lord by taking Lindsay out for dinner. I can honor the Lord by giving to nonprofit organizations. I can honor the Lord. I can honor the Lord by spending wisely. I'm, 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 I'm doing good things with my money. I'm honoring the Lord with what he has blessed me. Um, 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 but, but, but a better translation of this verse, verse 9, might be honor the Lord from your wealth and, and, and from the first fruits of all your crops. That means, as you know, God gets this cut, this, this cut from the pie. This, he gets a cut from my wealth. I part with some money um, for his sake. And then the verse 9 tells us how do we do this? We do it with the first fruits of all our crops. See, in the ancient Near East, the first fruits, they, they were agricultural, and, the, and, the, and the, 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 the first fruits were the best of what came out of your land. Exodus 34, uh, sorry, Exodus 23, 19 says, the best of the first fruits of the ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord. So honoring the Lord with the first fruits means giving him our best. He comes first in our budgets, even before taxes. He comes before, before mortgage. He comes before bills. He comes before savings. He comes before kids. He comes before, before vacation and well before my hobbies. And I'll be honest with you, friends, that's a hard thing for a seminarian, for us, with our budget. That's a hard thing for me. I struggle with that. I might give him a portion from my net, but maybe not from my gross, right? But the verse says, all your crops. How many, um, how many of us learn to tithe from our parents or are learning to tithe from our parents, right? We did learn. When I was, I grew up in, I grew up in England, and I remember when I was little, my dad gave me a one-pound coin um, to go and put in the collection box. So basically a dollar to go put in the collection box after church. Um, and that, I mean, that was 
I was good, but if, uh, it, it was given to me by my father. But if I were to give him the first fruits of all my crops, I'd have to go and put a Nintendo 64 in the collection box and then some rugby cleats and then this, I remember I had this really awesome Nerf gun and that would need to go in the collection box as well. You see, we don't just give the Lord from, from the excess of what we have. We give the Lord from our all of what we have. And if we do, look, if we do, what is the, the action? Verse 10. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. If this was the health and, this is the health and wealth gospel, if there ever was one, right? But it's not. Lovely idea. We find a lovely idea in verse 10. But notice exactly what's going to be overflowing. It's going to be your barns and your vats. Your barns and your vats. In, in the ancient world, the barn was a place where you would store bread, and a vats was a place where you would store wine. We know that from the Gospel of John, right? And bread and wine were two things in that, in that, in that context that were essential for life. Bread and wine. So honoring the Lord with our wealth won't get you brownie points towards a new bass boat or a little extra cash to spend on the side with your friends. This verse simply means that giving God the first fruits, the very best, will generally ensure that our needs are met in abundance. It's not our wish list. God is not Santa counting good and bad deeds. God is the loving provider who loves to be generous to those who are generous. Uh, time, time is gone, so let, let me say this. These are the general, generalities. But before I close, I'm going to mention two exceptions. The first one's a little exception, and the last one's a big exception. Job is the little exception. You remember Job, the book of Job. It's another wisdom literature book right? In, in Job, Job is described as blameless and upright, a man who fears God and turns away from evil. And yet all that Job has, everything that he has, is taken away from him. All, all his wealth, all his, all his herds, even his children. And then his wife, his wife, uh, his wife, uh, she turns her back on, on Job, right? And then Job, after that, he gets these nasty, nasty, pus-filled sores all over his body that are just painful, right? Painful. And all this happens to a guy that was generally a good guy. If you read the book of Job, you'll see that the rest of Job, the rest of the book, is Job and his friends trying to figure out why this happened. Why has this exception happened? In the end, Job asks God, and this is speaking to our exceptions too, in the end, Job asked God, What have I done? What did I do to deserve this? And in the end, God doesn't give Job a reason for the exception. In the end, he sim simply says to Job, Job, I'm God and you're not. That's why there's an exception. That's the first exception. The second exception exception, if you will, to the rule is found in Luke 2.52. 
Luke 2.52 says, uh, it's the part where Jesus is in the temple, and, and Luke writes, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Can we go back to verse 4, please, Pat? And wisdom and stature and favor with, look how it, look how it, look how it echoes verse 4. Jesus, if you look at the list, embodied these things. He, he, uh, Jesus had love and faithfulness around his neck. Jesus trusted in the Lord. Even when he was going, he was going to the cross and he didn't want to go, he still said, not my will, Father, but yours be done. I mean, that's, if ever was, that's submission to, that's submission to the Lord. Jesus feared him and honored him, and, and he stood fast through through the, the absolute pain, pain and agony. Why? Hebrews 12, 2 says that Jesus, because of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you, do you see? The promises of Proverbs 3 did not come true did not come true for Jesus on earth. On earth. But they are absolutely true for Jesus reigns in heaven. And the good news, Ivan Rest, is that since he reigns in heaven, we can be certain that for those who believe in Jesus, for those who call on his name, for those who seek salvation in him, they will find it no exception young or old, rich or poor, male or female. I don't care. Seek him while, you may be, while he may be found. I know, and I know with absolute certainty that you will find him, and that there is in heaven an inheritance for you that will not perish or fade. One day, these generalities will become absolutes. And that's, friends, what Proverbs 3 has to teach us. Amen. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for the promises and the, and the hope that we find therein. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us the book of Proverbs to guide us in our wise living and understanding. And, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for the great promise that is true for those that seek, um, seek to find Jesus. We'll find him. And all of these little, um, little things that are general in this life will be absolute in our life with him forever. Lord, bless this day and bless your people. In your name, amen. Thank you.